a little Larry Fleet for you guys. Uh, got the pleasure of seeing him in concert here a few months back when he was here with Hardy and Morgan Wallen. And if uh, if you haven't checked him out, his music's pretty good. Kind of soulful, almost a Chris Stapleton type. So want to welcome you all back to the next episode of The Kitchen Table. Um, got a little bit of upgrade going on. I have uh, upgraded my my recording system i've upgraded a few microphones so if you hear a difference in the audio hopefully it's for the better right so uh thank you guys for supporting us and allowing us to make these upgrades to hopefully bring you some cool podcasts that you guys are uh, obviously listening to i'm getting great feedback from the social media sites um the websites as well so i appreciate all of the listeners, all of the input, all of the suggestions, um, it doesn't go unnoticed, so thank you. Uh, tonight's pour, I have to admit that I went back to the old um, peanut butter whiskey. It wasn't the salted caramel that I had poured the other night, but it is a uh, raccoon dog peanut butter whiskey. I had this about a month ago up in San Marcos, and it's absolutely absolutely delicious to be honest with you um if you're a peanut butter fan and you're a whiskey fan um this is heaven in a bottle yeah it's it's good stuff so a little late uh on my podcast usually it comes out around tuesday or wednesday and this is uh friday no this is saturday evening but uh, i have had an extremely busy week um for those of you that don't know i am a co-founder and director of a charity event called the fallen heroes 343 charity golf event which is taking place in september on september 26th at north shore country club and uh, we raise money uh, for a fund called uh, the relief and outreach fund and so we have been really busy with raising sponsorship monies filling team filling uh, team spots getting raffle items door prizes all kinds of stuff that goes into it. So my week has been extremely busy with that. Um, also dealing with uh, personal things. You know, still still learning how to manage my son's uh, newly diagnosed type one diabetes. But we're getting better with that. He is a uh, he's really coming along. So for all of you that have sent your thoughts and prayers and supported some of the uh, funds that are out there, believe me when I tell you um, they are very very helpful um never would have imagined this happened but it did so here we are right so i put out earlier today that uh, we were going to talk about an epidemic that is in the fire service that the fire service is facing and no it's not covid no it's not monkeypox um it's a true epidemic um and one that affects 
all of us in some way or form, I, I'm, I imagine if I asked any of you that were listening, have you ever been affected by cancer? Most, I would, I would put money that 100% of you would say in some form or fashion, you have been touched by cancer in one way or the other. Um, if you haven't, I can almost bet that at some point in your life you will be, whether it's from a, a friend, family, or just someone that you uh, may know that either becomes diagnosed or uh, unfortunately dies because of it. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. It kind of works out in that here locally, um, the Corpus Christi firefighters kicked off their care program and they started selling their cancer awareness shirts a couple days ago over at the uh, Corpus Christi Professional Association the Corpus Christi Professional Firefighters Association their their hall on 6014 airs and I actually went and spent a few hours with them Um, I bought some shirts and just hung out and and talked to some people and it was it's a great great cause it's been going on since about 2009 that particular fund or that program or that charity, whatever you want to call it, since 2009 has been able to raise over a half a million dollars and give back to organizations such as the American Cancer Society, First Friday, Driscoll Children's Hospital, uh, and many other um, organizations that help fight the epidemic of cancer. So, if you haven't had a chance to check out their new design, their new shirt, or purchase one, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them, uh, again, located at 6014 Ayers Street in Corpus Christi, Texas, 78415. If you want to call and place an order, I believe the number you can call, and I'm not affiliated with them by any means, but I do want to support anything that um, helps the fight against cancer. And so anyways, the phone number over there is 361-814-4437. And you can call and probably place your order over the phone. Um, They don't have any children's sizes. The only sizes that they made this year are adults from small to multiple X sizes. Uh, They do have short sleeve and long sleeve. And again, um, if you don't know what their shirt looks like, uh, I have posted it on my Facebook and Instagram page. So you can check it out there. Believe me, guys, this podcast is not about their program, but I I thought it was interesting that I wanted to talk about cancer, and their, their campaign was kicking off at the same time, so it, it just fit perfectly. So um, I had the chance to sit with one of their board of directors, Carlos Torres, which hopefully I wanted to have him on a couple days ago, but his schedule did not allow it. Hopefully he'll be on next week sometime, and he can give us a little more background on their campaign and what started them wanting to do the cancer awareness and where is it going and what changes do they see coming from it but today I want to talk about cancer itself and cancer in the fire service in particular um, if if you don't know and you don't watch the news or you don't you know you're one of those people that just are kind of disconnected from the news that's fine, but not, I think a few days ago, let me tell you exactly how many days ago, there was an article that came out, and it 
it was on it was on NBC. It was on multiple news outlets. It was all over social media. It was um, on a lot of of media outlets. And um, let me see. I'm trying to get the date here for you. So, oh gosh, it was only probably about three or four days ago that this article came out, and it was about it was about a, an acronym that you're going to probably become more familiar than you want to with, and that's PFAS, P-F-A-S, PFAS. Um, and basically the news story was stating that firefighters' bunker gear, just their bunker gear alone that we wear every single shift to a majority of our calls, calls is actually increasing our risk of cancer. And it's because these PFAS substances and chemicals are getting trapped and embedded inside our structural firefighting gear, inside the layers, the multiple layers, uh, you know, the outer shell, the thermal layer, and, and the um, water repellent layer. It, it gets trapped in there. And, and I know we we wash our gear. I know we send it off. I am, I'm very familiar with NFPA 1851 and and all of that but even with all of that we're still finding that these PFAS substances and chemicals are becoming entrapped in there and causing um, a greater risk for exposure to to us and other firefighters so that's what we were we're gonna discuss a little bit today there's a excuse me there was a an article about three days ago from Firehouse Magazine where um, the International Association of Fire Chiefs as well as the Metro Fire Chiefs, they issued a joint statement referencing the this news article, right? And basically, um, this is what, in a, in a nutshell, this is what it says, that, that turnout gear that every firefighter wears to protect themselves while operating at, at an incident may be very well loaded with carcinogens. Now, that's not new. We understand that. Um, every time we go into an active fire, active structure fire, or overhaul or something, we understand that the substances that are in there are, are one, carcinogenic, and two, they're, get, they're getting on our gear. What we didn't know is how deep they were getting into our gear how how much were they actually penetrating through the multiple layers of our gear so there was a recent study done and, and the results from that study and i believe it was the niosh uh, in accordance with cdc the uh, international association fire chief and the metro fire chief issued a joint statement this week warning firefighters about the danger of the pfas being entrapped in their bunker gear and they go on to state that all three layers of the protective clothing contain per and polyfluoroalkyl substances or PFAS chemicals, which these have been linked to cancer. That's not debatable. And we also know that cancer is the leading cause of firefighter deaths, right? So in case you guys need just some numbers to back up what I'm saying, um, firefighters have a 9% increased risk of being diagnosed with a, a form of cancer and they have a 14% increased risk to actually 
die from cancer. So that was already prior to, excuse me, that was already prior to this, this study coming out. So now we're finding out that even those, those numbers are already high. They're not as high as some of the other. I've, I've seen some numbers out there where some media outlets say that firemen are 250 times more likely to get cancer than the general U.S. population. And that's not true. I mean, that is a false statement. It's a scare tactic, and it should be corrected when, when told. We are, firefighters in general, are more likely to develop cancer, unfortunately. Um, the risks that we take, the environments that we are subjected to, um, dictate that. So back to the, uh, the Firehouse Magazine and what the International Association of Fire Chiefs and the Metro Chiefs stayed, stated is they encourage responders to reduce their exposure to PFAS by limiting use of turnout gear only to emergency responses where its protection is a necessity. Structure fires, MVAs, um, rescue calls. Uh, basically, if you need it, you got to use it, right? Wearing all of our PPE and our SCBA during firefighting overhaul and working in any smoke remains the best line of defense to protect from fire ground contaminants until PFAS free alternatives are available, right? Well, the unfortunately is I know a little bit about PFAS and their alternatives. Um, PFAS is also found in our AFFF foam, which um, right now legislate legislation is trying to um outlaw a triple f foam that that contains fluorine i should be clear if it contains fluorine it's going to be outlawed and they're trying to find alternatives to the a triple f foam that's fluorine free and that works as well and the problem that they're having is that yes there are alternatives out there that don't have the PFAS and don't have the fluorine and people are trying to say they work as well but they don't and so that's that's the real issue with with this stuff is that they're trying to find alternatives to the PFAS but the problem is the alternative is not as good as what we have now so it is definitely a challenge so this was a quote from the International Association of Fire Chief, uh, I'm sorry the International Association of Firefighters General President Edward Kelly he says quote this is the challenge of our generation, and if we don't act, it will be the challenge of our children's generation. We can't just salute in front of the church and fight for better benefits. We need to combat what's killing us, and I am committed to making sure we do everything we can to extinguish cancer from the fire service. That starts with removing PFAS from our turnout gear, and until PFAS-free options exist, reducing our exposure as best we can. End quote. So let's break down his his uh, his quote there. You know, we need to combat what's killing us, and that's absolutely true. And that starts with removing the PFAS from our turnout gear. Well, we all know, if you don't know, uh, there's an NFPA standard out there, 1851, that says that your bunker gear has to be washed every six months or twice a year, or at a minimum once a year. The problem that I think they're finding in these studies is even through this washing, it's not removing all of the PFAS. Because you, 
You have to understand PFAS substances and chemicals themselves. They never go away. You, it's not like they can. You wash it with soap and water, and boom, it's gone. It's they're they're not that. They are very very persistent substances and chemicals to where they're they're even given the nickname of forever chemicals. Um, so removing it from from our garments from our from our PPE is is definitely a top priority. But I think we're going to have to find out and maybe even start moving towards limit. Not, when I use this term, please don't think I'm talking about like one and done, but limited use bunker gear. So w- w- what does that mean? What I'm thinking is that, you know, because here at the kitchen, kitchen table, I don't want to just bring up a problem and bring up and bitch and complain. I, I, I think there's solutions out there. So an option that I've thought about is, and I use this term loosely, is like limited use structural firefighting gear. Limited use, what does that mean? One, one time you use it and then you get rid of it? No, not, not once. But I think we can get to where, now of course, I can already hear admin and city financial people, I can hear them, I can hear them banging at my door. But I think if we can get to a point where we like, okay, this person has had their structural firefighter gear for two years. We're going to replace it. Now, I think it's every, gosh, I could be wrong, but it's every four or five right now, maybe even six. You know, it's it's a lot longer than two. And it could be at some of these busier stations that we know um, just make more fires than others. That could be, it could be... Uh, even less than less than two, it could be down to every year. Does that mean that that they're going to have to purchase new gear? Yes, and and I can hear firemen too. Well, I don't want brand new gear every year. Well, to be honest, if that reduces the risk of you developing cancer later on in your career, I'm all for you getting new gear every year. But you know, that's just that's an option. I don't. I have never even discussed that with anyone else. I've just something in my own mind I've thought about that like. We need to probably replace this stuff because we know that cleaning it does help. Believe me, it helps. I mean, we already know that with just our post-decon fire program that we're implementing around the nation, we can remove like 80% of the contaminants of the large particulates, but we cannot get into the embedded PFAS substances that have transferred from the outer shell to the inner lining. We just, you can't, you can't. Even when we send it off to washing, we still can't get all of that stuff. So that's just a, a thought. You know, I'd love to hear other guys' options out there of, of what you guys think. I use the term limited use very loosely, but I think that replacing our bunker gear, you know, once every two years, if you're at a busier station where, um, or you're, say you're at a rescue station or even a hazmat station or something like that, maybe it's every year. Um, I think there's things that we can come up with to keep guys um, out of this exposed PFAS substances. It goes on in the article at Firehouse Magazine to say that turnout gear should not be taken into the bunk rooms and should be transported in sealed containers, they said, adding that the cab of the apparatus should be cleaned regularly. Well, we all agree, and uh, with the cancer programs going on around the nation, that we really should keep... um, bunker gear out of uh, out of our bunk rooms and day rooms and actually that has really improved over the years 
Um, I remember just 18 years ago, 20 years ago, guys would sleep with their bunker gears next to their bed. That way, when the tones went off, boom, they jumped right into their gear, right under the truck. And, and they didn't have to waste a few seconds, right? Now, nowadays, it has changed. And we're not allowing that bunker gear or boots or pants or coats in, into the day room or, or bunk rooms. So that is a plus. We, we have made some progress. Um, should be transported in sealed containers. You know, um, I see, I see a lot of rookies really, and then I see a lot of people, but they make these, these, uh, turnout bags that everyone, not everyone, but a, a lot of people have, and, and most people have them because they have to go to a different station. So they load up their bunker gear and their bags and they throw them in their car or their truck or their vehicle. And then they, they go drive home or they drive to the other station or whatever. And, and we seem to think that when we zip up that bag, that zipper, that bag, that material is keeping everything out of it. Please remember that bunker gear that has been exposed to uh, PFAS chemicals or you know any of these dangerous and deadly substances that are within a structure fire or even during overhaul, they, they will off-gas. There's no... There's no, I mean, we can debate about it, but I promise you that I will prove to you that, that they do. They do off-gas. So unless you can actually 100% say that the container that you're putting in, in is sealed and not allowing that off-gassing to release, those bags are great for travel, but they are not the best option to keep everything in. It's better than just throwing your bunker gear in your back seat, by far, right? By far. But... You know, when it says sealed containers, I really don't know exactly what they mean. But I do know this. I do know that when we go to our structure fires and you are part of that first alarm and you're working your tail off and you're actually active in the firefighting tasks, right? And you're, you are done, overhaul's done. Uh, the safety officer and the incident commander are ready to clear everyone up and release everyone to go back into service. And even if they release you to go change out gear, go get a loaner set, or go back to the station to, to grab your second set if, you're, if you have that luxury, how do you transport your gear that has been exposed? Do you put it in the cab with you as you ride? Do you put it in an external compartment? Do you bag it up and close it? Do you have external like overpack containers that they go in? These are all questions I'm posing. But I think they're questions that, that we need to start asking ourselves. And look, I understand that not all of this stuff can happen tomorrow. Um, but it's stuff that we can start looking into because I am I have been affected by cancer uh, not personally well no not to myself I've been affected it by it personally because uh, my uncle who served in in the fire department that I work for now for over 30 years 
um, died because of cancer and that I truly believe that he developed as he was uh, a fireman. Uh, my brother was taken away at a very early age. He was only 48 years old at the time because of cancer. He developed lung cancer that then spread to his hip and and then eventually uh, took his life. So I, I'm just, I have friends right now that are, that are battling. I have mentors that are not only survivors, but there's, they continue to battle cancer. And it's, I hate, I hate to see another person come down with this. I don't even, disease isn't even the word, but it's just this, this illness that, that once we get it, yes, I know many people, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law is a breast cancer survivor, you know, but, but we fear that any moment her markers can show that, that it's, it's come back. That, that's, that is the devastating part of cancer is that once you've been diagnosed with it, it's, it's a forever, it's a forever moment in that you're going to always be wondering if it returns. Um, most of y'all know uh, the fire chief in Corpus Christi, uh, Chief Robert Rocha. He is also the president of the Metropolitan Fire Chiefs Association. And he released a statement um, in regards to this article and in regards to cancer and PFAS. And this is what Chief Robert Rocha had to say. Quote, the health and welfare of our firefighters remains the top priority of the Metro Chiefs. In conjunction with the removal of PFAS from personal protective equipment, we encourage all fire service organizations and firefighters to take the appropriate precautions to reduce and eliminate cancer in the fire service. End quote. The statement continued uh, with him saying, quote, Identifying safe and effective PFAS-free materials from, for turnout gear is a long and challenging process. Both the International Association of Firefighters and Metro Chiefs are dedicated to removing PFAS chemicals from turnout gear. The joint efforts will take place before regulatory bodies and in continuing discussions with manufacturers in the critical initiative of eliminating PFAS forever com chemicals, he used quotes there, from turnout gear. The big organizations, they are, they are here to help. They are here to support. They are here to write policies. They are here to write standards. They are here to to do research but when the rubber meets the road it comes down to us in the field it comes down to you taking some personal accountability for yourself your crew members and for your family members at home you know when we signed up to become to work in the in the job arena we do whether it's firefighters or EMS or police officers when we sign up to become first responders and, and you graduated your academy and you raised your hand and you took the oath you did that knowing the risk and understanding the dangers you actually accepted them you said you understood and I accept and I have no problem with them so we understand the risk of of possibly one day coming down with cancer and being exposed to PFAS chemicals. We do. But the people that did not sign up for this are your family members. 
are your wife are your children are your significant other or your husband or your grandkids they didn't they did not sign up to for those risks there is it is unacceptable for us to be so lazy and so selfish and so uncaring that we take these risks home with us that we don't do everything in our power to eliminate these risks while we're at work so that we do not have to bring them home so that we do not have to stand in front of another church and salute so that we do not have to have another fundraiser for our brother and sister look we're, we're never i hope I, I should change that i hope and i hope in my lifetime and i hope in in one of our lifetimes or if it's it's not mine or my children maybe my grandchildren but i i I hope we come up with a cure for cancer. As it looks for right now, there isn't one. So the best that we can do is precaution, is to take initiative to reduce the risks, right? They talk about in these articles, removing the PFAS chemicals from our bunker gear. A lot of it stems from the AFFF foam, guys. But you got to understand that PFAS chemicals are, they're in household products. They're in your Teflon cookware. They're in your carpets. They're in your, your the drywall. They're in, they're, they're everywhere in our households. They're in industry all over. So we're exposed to them every single day. What happens is when that fire takes place, and it starts burning these items that have the PFAS, and it starts releasing them. Now we've become even at a more greater risk, okay? It's not just like our everyday exposure. This is exposure that is going to seep through all of the layers of our PPE. Now, again, going back to their article, they're talking about removing it from our bunker gear. Well, what they're... What they don't tell you in there is they're really talking about the, or at least in my opinion, they're talking about trying to find an alternative for the AFFF foam and trying to find fluorine-free foam. What I want to focus on is how do we, how do we get it out of that bunker gear? Which even Chief Rocha used the the air quotes within his statement and said that they called them they're forever chemicals. They're not going anywhere. Once they're in there. There is no, if we know they're in there and we send them off to be washed, there's no test to run to say, to tell me that it's 100% clean. So we have to assume for the worst. We have to assume that those forever chemicals, some of them did get washed away, but some of them are still there. So again, we have to go back to things that we can do. I still think that having the a shorter replacement time for our bunker gear, not every four to five years, but every once or twice or every once a year or possibly every two years i think that's more acceptable i understand that that is a financial burden for a, a department in a city but is it any more a financial burden to that department or that city if that fireman comes down with cancer that's a larger financial burden in my opinion so if it's replacing bunker gear every two years that can help us reduce the risk of it, then that's that's something we should look into. The other thing is storage. Where, storage of our bunker gear. Where do you store them? 
Do you store them inside a, an engine bay where the exhaust also runs? Do you have, you know, the direct equipment exhaust system that hooks to the truck so that that, that exhaust does not build up into the bay and does not leak into our bunker gear? I, I know most of the departments in my general area don't have that luxury. I know a lot of their upper northeast coast, west coast, they do. Because they're a little more stringent on their... Um, what's the word? Environment, environmentally, right? So they, they, they do have those exhaust systems, but, but we don't. You know, we do you store them in, in, in your bunker gear in just lockers? Uh, again, just being not being able to be aired out, right? So uh, do you just, or, or are you one of those firemen that at the end of the shift, you, you fold up your stuff and you stuff it in your, in your duty bag, in your bunker gear bag? You know, you're not allowing it to naturally ventilate, naturally off-gas the stuff, the, the chemicals, so it's building up. So there are a lot of things that we can do. Um, we, we, we talked about the post-fire decon. What about, uh, I was reading earlier, a lot of departments are going for to a, uh, it's called a one-to-one hood swap. You know, after every fire you make where you've actually participated in firefighting duties, you are issued a new hood before you leave the scene. There is a logistics person and or a safety officer that has a box full of hoods and you're you're issued a new hood prior to you returning to service. Why is that? Because they found out through studies that our neck and our hooded area is is one of the most is one of the areas that is uh, most likely to accumulate these carcinogens and these substances, right? Um, what about the fire wipes? Uh, I know many of you have probably seen them being advertised. I would recommend. I would recommend if you'd use them, that make sure that they are alcohol free. Okay, um, the fire wipes that tend to have alcohol tend to open our pores. And tend to, if we open up our pores, we tend to allow those substances to possibly seep in. So, you know, if you're going to use some type of fire wipe, just you make sure, again, just make sure it's uh, alcohol-free. Um, there's some theories out there about, well, let's let's first talk about, how about showers? You guys, You is it in your policies, in your department, that after every structure fire or industrial fire or any fire that you actually make where you are actively involved in firefighting duties are you allowed to come back and shower get out of your your clothes that you wore under your turnouts put them in the washing machine and actually take a shower I hope I hope that you have the policies that that say that. I know for a fact that um, it's not always done. Um, I know that there's some there's some salties out there. Be like, it's bad luck if I wash my clothes and it's you know I, I don't ever shower after a, a burner because I I'm gonna get the second one and you know all these things. But if, if we're really trying to reduce our risk. 
being allowed to come back, get out of your your uniform that you wore, because we know that these substances have what's I'm trying to I'm trying to use a hazmat word here. We know that they've been absorbed through the the layers of our bunker gear. We know that they've been absorbed into our clothes that we're wearing under our class B uniforms. And we know that they're going to come into contact with our skin. How many of you have ever been into a good burner and afterwards you do take a shower and 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 you're done, you finished and you walk back into the bathroom or the restroom where you showered and it still smells like a fire. Why? Because that's soot that those that substances that you washed off are still lingering in there and you can still get that smell for days. Sometimes you can get it stuck in your nose and it's days. Um, sometimes you'll, you'll make a good fire and it'll be a day or two later and you're, you're hitting a nice, heavy, sweaty workout and you will smell that fire. Actually that, that smell of that releasing from your body. Like, and some people even tell you that it's a good idea to sweat it out afterwards. That's what I was going to get to right before I started talking about the showers. That there's some theories out there that after every structure fire, some of these fire departments are installing um, hot rooms or saunas for these guys to actually go in and and sweat out uh, these substances that have been absorbed. Um, I'll tell you that I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I'd I'd like to see some research done on it because just my my way of thinking is that if I'm again just like the alcohol wax if I'm opening my pores um to allow sweat to come out to cool my body I run the risk of allowing substances to also enter those same pores that have opened so it's it's what I'd like to see more information on it but again I'm just giving you stuff that I've seen out there things that are being done to try and reduce the risk of cancer. Um, what else? Let me take a drink of this peanut butter whiskey here real quick. Real fast. Um, I want to give you guys some... I, I, I gave you all some numbers earlier. The 9% and the uh, 14%. But I want to give you some other numbers that I... I told you about I just kind of briefly mentioned them but um, you know in the fire service firefighters we are we have a, a an increased risk for certain or, or I guess we have a higher risk for certain very specific types of cancer um, according to a NIOSH study that was done I think it was done in 2013 okay um, here's some numbers that they gave out. And this was, this is kind of interesting. But according, um, the NIOSH research report, um, it reported a two-fold excess of malignant mesothelioma, which is a very rare cancer. So what does that mean? So if you put it another way, it means that firefighters have a 100% increased risk which 100% equals double, which is two times greater of getting mesothelioma, which is rare, right? But we, we do have a much higher risk for that cancer. 
firefighters have a 129% increased risk of dying from mesothelioma. According to that same NIOSH report in 2013, firefighters have a 62% higher risk of getting esophageal cancer, and they have a 39% increased risk of dying from esophageal cancer. And then here are some other numbers for some other specific cancers that, that we just have an increased chance of, of getting. Testicular cancer is uh, two times the risk. Mesothelioma, I told you, is two times the risk. Multiple myeloma is one and a half times the risk. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, one and a half times. Uh, just skin cancer, uh, 1.4 times greater. Malignant melanoma, 1.3 times greater. Brain cancer, 1.3. Prostate cancer, 1.3. Colon cancer, 1.2. Leukemia cancer, 1.2. So, and those are just some numbers. There, there are some departments out there that are, are, are addressing occupational cancer rates that are much, much higher. Um... There was a study that reported statistics from Miami-Dade Fire Rescue where 32% of their active members were diagnosed with cancer or receiving cancer treatment between 20, 2008 and 2010. 32% of their active members, active members were either diagnosed or were getting treated for cancer within 2008 and 2010. That's nuts. Right, so there are some areas that are dealing with much higher rates than the number I gave you. But the bottom line is this, and this is the truth. We firefighters do have a higher risk, cancer risk, than the general public, right? We just do. We understand that. We signed up for it. And the, their, the risks are significantly higher for some specific cancers, like I told you. So that's the bottom line. Bottom line is, yes, we have a greater risk to be diagnosed for cancer we have a significantly higher risk for certain types of cancer but we we understood those when we took the oath what we didn't is we didn't sign up our family we didn't sign up our friends we didn't sign up our wives children grandkids for those risks they don't they don't they don't deserve that burden so what do we do we have to be able to take it upon ourselves and 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 believe me after, after reading what the, the IAFF and the Metro Fire Chiefs are, are saying, they're, they're there to support everything. But again, those organizations write words, write policies, write standards. They're not out there policing, right? They're not out there at the stations looking. All they're going to do is they're going to write something on a piece of paper. They're going to push it out, and most of it is going to be as vague as what I read you, right? I'm going to go back to you and tell you, let me go back to this real quick, and, and I don't mean to be rude about it, okay, um, but I just want to know, this is this is the type of statements they put out, okay? Um, going back to Chief Roach's quote from his statement. And he says, both the IAFF and Metro Fire Chief are dedicated to removing PFAS chemicals from Chernog gear. The joint efforts will take place before regulatory bodies and in continuing discussions with the manufacturers. Okay, that, 
that's a wonderful statement, and I truly believe him. I do. I, I believe them. I believe the International Association of Firefighters are going to do that. But that's that's at a whole different level. What are we going to do? You know, there's a there's a saying going around on on social media, and it's been out there for a while. But I've seen it on stickers. I've seen it in in posts and everything. And it says, "No one's coming to save you. Self rescue." No one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save us from, from, from this epidemic called cancer. Nobody. So what do we do? Right? We have to take it upon ourselves. Limit your time and your gear. Make sure your gear is washed. If you can swap out your gear, do it. If you can swap out your hoods, do it. Don't be afraid like, oh, God, you know, I am... I don't want to look like a newbie. My my gear's clean. My my helmet's clean. Th- those days of those old Smokies, they're it's over, right? Um, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family, your friends, your crew members to make sure that you're doing the best that you can to limit your risk and your exposures to a very dangerous situation, because. There's no, I promise you guys, not in the near future, they're not removing PFAS, the forever chemicals, from our bunker gear. So we have to limit our exposures to it. It's just, it's not going to happen. They're going to try to find alternatives, specifically talking about the foam. And the problem is, is we're going to find out that it doesn't work as well. And that's a whole other dilemma. So, again you've got to take it upon yourself do all the things we talked about shower change your hood change your gear wash your gear post fire decon fire wipes how are you transporting your gear whether it be from a fire scene back to the station or whether it's in your personal vehicle to to home or to another station how, how are you doing it and we really have to stop and think it's no longer just throw it in the back of my car. I used to see people throw their bunker gear in the back seat of their car and drive their kids around. And it really was like second nature. And times have changed. I know everyone listening here, we, we all are probably have the same mindset of we, we don't want to go to another funeral. I don't want to get another phone call or a text message saying, hey man, um, I hate to tell you, but... You know, my results came back and it was, you know, our worst fear. We don't want that. And there's no eliminating it 100%. So we have to do the little things. It's the little things that are going to reduce our risk. Reduce it. That's all we can do. We can't eliminate. All right. It was a pleasure talking to you guys tonight. Um, Again, Sorry for the, I had to reach over my, my computer froze on me for a second. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, some of these solo ones are, are harder to do than others, but sometimes it's easier for me to do these on my own just cause I can sit here with a cold glass of whiskey, um, my phone, my computer and, and just talk to you guys. And I hope that that you listen 
um I, I truly the kitchen table myself I, we I truly care about each and every one of you and I, I I do not want to see anyone go through what my uncle had to go through what my brother went through um, what my sister-in-law has gone through and and other friends and family I, I mean I've seen some some battles guys and it's not pretty and so we have to do what we can cancer awareness. Is, is just that let's become aware let's let's fight this together let's all get on board from from the organizations like the IFF Metro Fire Chiefs down to us boots on the ground let's really see what we can do to to reduce these numbers we're never going to get down to zero and I understand that um, but I truly believe with uh, some conversations about some things that we can do at the station, at fire scenes, um, at home, how we're transferring stuff, that we can make a we can make a difference. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. If uh, again, if if you have not, make sure you are getting those uh, Corpus Christi Firefighters Care T-shirts. Uh, they just went on sale the other day, and they'll be on sale now and through October. So October is when they're the height of their program peaks for the breast cancer awareness. So I appreciate you guys listening in. Um, hopefully, we can uh, we can bring these cancer numbers down. If I sound kind of somber, you gotta please understand. There's there's people right now. Uh, and as I've done this podcast for the last 50 minutes, uh, good friends of mine are are fighting this battle. Some of them just recently diagnosed. Some of them have been fighting it for a while. And it's, it's near and dear to me. And so cancer is one of those things where I don't know if we'll ever beat it. But as a team together, we can put one up one hell of a fight. So you guys stay safe. Stay low, and we will see you guys next week on The Kitchen Table.